What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Geronda Dockett on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. And I just found out that she has recently published her book. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about that. Geronda, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like with your story. Okay, sounds awesome. Um, Thank you for having me, uh, Shelly, today. I'm excited to share my journey um, with all those in the Lamb fam. Uh, My name is Geronda Dockett. I um, have had two uh, pregnancy loss experiences, and uh, my journey starts in, I would say, July of 2018, uh, which is when I married my husband. Um, So my husband, Vince, and I got married in July, and we knew that we wanted to have children and start a family, but we didn't really put ourselves on a timeline. And we just said that, you know, if it happened, it happened. And come to find out three short months later, it happened and we were pregnant. Um, So the end of September, we have found out that uh, we were pregnant. And the way that I found out was actually to me, kind of indicative of how my pregnancy journey happened because I found out because I was in a lot of pain. And it was like cramps, but, but worse than any cramps that I had ever had. And I ended up going to the urgent care because the, the pain wasn't seeming to go away. And I did have a thought that maybe I could be pregnant, but immediately I was like, well, if I'm pregnant, I don't think this is the pain that I'm supposed to be having, you know, already. So I went to the urgent care and um, left with two diagnoses that I had bacterial vaginosis, which was what was causing the pain and that I was indeed pregnant. So Um, I remember so clearly like my husband's face and how giddy he was when the nurse said that um, our pregnancy test had come back positive and I was happy as well but it was just hard to really like rejoice in the moment being that I was in so much pain. Um, So when we had found out that we were pregnant of course we like wanted to tell everybody right away Um, But there's just so much stigma about when you should tell and who you should tell and you have to wait till after the first trimester because then you're in the safe zone, quote unquote. And um, so we initially just told our family um, and even then it was after we had received our um, first sonogram picture a couple weeks later. Um, Once uh, my husband Vince saw that picture. He couldn't like keep a secret anymore. <laughs> he immediately like took a picture and sent it to all of his family. Um, 
so we were excited that we were pregnant um at the same time it was my first time being pregnant and I just had so many questions every day like am I eating the right thing am I exercising enough am I exercising too much am I doing too little um is this okay for me to shower at this temperature just like everything that I did I was like hyper analyzing in my mind um and I had not anticipated that it would be that stressful of uh, being pregnant um so we knew that we were about 10 weeks along and we were going to take a road trip to New York and you know from everything I read I'm like okay that's cool we can take a road trip and uh, Vince did all the driving and we went from Maryland to New York to go visit one of his friends but the whole time we were driving I was in pain I was like is this bacterial vaginosis coming back? Like, why do I have this cramping? Like, I don't feel well. Um, so we stayed for the weekend. And uh, when we had come back, I was like, you know, I still am in pain. I'm going to go to the doctors. Um, so I went to the doctor the day after we got back. And, you know, my OBGYN was like, well, everything looks good um your um cervix is closed like you know everything seems fine there is you know some level of pain that comes with being pregnant and you know everything looks good so you know I was didn't really have a reply I was like okay but I still feel like something's wrong um the other thing that had made me feel like something was wrong was that I had been bleeding sporadically my whole pregnancy. Um, so that was also something that, you know, made me feel very uncomfortable. Um, and again, you know, my OBGYN was like, well, this does happen sometimes. And, you know, it does not mean that anything is wrong. So it's like, okay. Um, so I had went to the doctor. She said everything was okay. That was the day when we got back from the New York trip. Um, then the next day, which was November 15th, um, I had went to work that day. Uh, we still actually had the rental car from the trip to New York. So I drove that to work. And when I left out of the house, it was snowing outside and nobody had forecasted this snow this snow was completely unexpected and so when I got to my work which I'm a, a teacher so when I got to the school there was only like eight kids in my classroom that day and I was still in so much pain and at one point I remember literally being curled up in the fetal position in the the library section of my classroom and another teacher came in and she was like, you need to go home. Um, so I was like, okay, I mean, there's only eight kids. Yeah. You know, it probably wouldn't hurt for me to just like go home and rest. Um, 
and that teacher knew that I was pregnant and so she was um you know being very supportive of me taking care of myself so I was like you know what I'm gonna go return this rental car I'm gonna get home and I'm gonna rest it's gonna be lovely to just like take a nap watch the snow outside it's gonna be great um so I go to return the rental car and um after I returned it I was waiting for my uber so while I was waiting for the uber to take me home I was like well let me go to the bathroom before I get an uber just because you know I don't want to have to go along the way so I go to the bathroom and I come back out and as soon as I came back out I felt like I had peed myself but I had just peed so I was like what's going on and then I look down and I see a couple of brown spots on the floor of the rental car showroom and so I immediately am saying no 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 and I'm like freaking out because I know now that something's definitely wrong and so I rush to go back in the bathroom but of course somebody was in the women's bathroom had went in there right after I came out. So I had to rush into the men's restroom in the rental car office. And as soon as I got in there, my cervix completely opened up into the toilet. And I just knew at that point that um, the baby was gone and that I was experiencing miscarriage. Um, so in my sudden um, change of disposition now I'm juggling like okay wait I'm I just lost my baby my phone is ringing and beeping because the uber is here now I have to try to figure out how to tell the uber that I'm on the way but that now my destination has changed and there's just no way to go into the uber and be like I'm having a miscarriage and that's why I need to go somewhere different so because I have a car, I don't use Uber that regularly. And so when I get in the back seat, I'm trying to fumble and figure out how to change my location. I like, <laughs> it takes me like five minutes to figure out how to change where we're going. And then I have to make the dreaded call to my husband from the Uber and let him know that I think I lost the baby and I need you to meet me at the urgent care. So, on the ride there, you know, the whole time I'm just, I'm just praying. I'm just, um, you know, wishing for a miracle, hoping for a miracle, while at the same time knowing that my baby is down the toilet in the rental car plumbing system. Um, and the whole time I was in the Uber, I was also thinking, I don't know how these things work. I hope that I do not have the floodgates open and blood spill all over the backseat of the Uber. And sadly, I'm thinking like, man, I wonder if they're going to charge me for a cleaning fee if I continue having a miscarriage in the backseat of this car. Definitely not something that should be on your mind when you're going through such a traumatic loss. Um, but the logical part of me definitely had that thought. Um, so when I get to the urgent care, 
uh, facility, um, you know, I'm quickly taken in the back. And um, by the time that I had got to um, the room they were placing me in, um, Vince had arrived. And so I was very grateful that he was able to be there um, as soon as possible. And they were putting me onto the table to do a sonogram. And right before I got on the table, just another surge of just like everything came out, um, just like blood and tissue. And um, it just, just felt sticky and awful. And um, was kind of like the nail in the coffin. Like if I thought that I was miscarrying before, this definitely is, is done now. Um, so when I got onto the table for the, the ultrasound, the technician is like, um, oh, do you, how long have you had these fibroids? And I was like, what, fibroids? I don't know anything about fibroids. I don't have fibroids. And she's like, oh yeah, you do. You got three really big ones. I can feel them right here. I see them. And um, this was my first time ever hearing about having fibroids for myself. Um, other women in my family have had fibroids and have had um, operations and treatments, um, but no one had ever talked to me personally about me having fibroids. And so, you know, in my mind, I'm like, okay, now there are fibroids. Are, are the fibroids the reason why I just lost my baby? Like, what? what's going on and of course you don't really have time to process all that because you're still trying to think about and process what just happened um and so after my ultrasound was finished i was taken to the room to wait for the results and you know i, I remember my husband and I kind of having a final prayer, but at the same time, again, both of us knew what the results were going to be. And we also, it kind of dawned on us that, hey, we don't actually have a ride home now uh, because he was able to walk from his job to the urgent care and he had taken the metro system to work that day and you know i was in the rental car in the uber um and we just were like man we we can't take an uber home after after the miscarriage and so we called a trusted friend to come and pick us up um from the urgent care who would be able to take us home um and this friend was a friend that i worked with who happened to live by us and also not only knew about the baby, but was pregnant herself. And, you know, we had gone through kind of all the things that you do when you find out you're pregnant with one of your friends, like, oh, we're gonna, you know, have our babies together and have play dates and do a nanny share and, oh, they're gonna be best friends. And, um, you know, even though we were in our first trimester, you know, we were already making plans for uh what things were going to be like after the babies were here um and so when she got there she was able to just kind of like 
hug me and cry with me and be like, you know, I don't have the words for this, right? Um, so it was helpful to have like that initial interaction with somebody who wasn't trying to to give advice or tell you that it was gonna be better, that you could try again. Um, and she just was the right person for us to be around in those first moments afterwards. Um, and I remember that I wanted to tell my parents, but my phone was like super red in the battery section. So I like remember crafting the text to them and then wondering if it's sent or not, because it's like, as soon as I pushed sent, my phone died. So I wasn't even able to, to know if they had received it or what happened um, or to tell really anybody else until the following day. Um, so we got home that night. I don't really remember anything that happened besides getting in the bed and crying and just being incredibly sad. And the moments afterward also being incredibly sad in that it was really the first time that I had to deal with grief and loss in such a, such a heavy way. Like I have lost people in my life before people have died that I've been close to, but this just was a different kind of weighty. And for my husband and I, while we were dating, we didn't really have that experience where we could see how somebody, how one of us would really grieve losing somebody who's super close to them. Um, so at the same time, we're each individually trying to find out how to we processed this loss. We also were trying to figure out collectively like how the other person grieves and how to be supportive of each other during this time. And for me, a lot of it was just writing stuff down. It was um, just um, talking with a couple of people who I had known had miscarriages before. Um, that was an, an incredible um, system of support to be able to reach out to um, friends and coworkers who have been there um, because my mom had not um, been there before. And I know she definitely struggled with, with how she could support me during this time with this um, loss that she didn't know personally. Um, and then it was so hard to figure out who to talk to and what to listen to because there were just reminders of babies and mommies and pregnancy and family everywhere. Um, the shows that I thought I could watch, like I would turn on some cartoon movies, which would be like, oh, this is safe. But then there would be a baby in there, there will be a pregnant cartoon mommy. And I was like, ah, oh, I can't even watch this. Um, and the same thing with like music and social media. A lot of it, I just had to isolate myself from initially. Um, 
and even my phone, like you never knew what you were going to get. Like two days after my miscarriage, one of my friends sent me her pregnancy announcement. Now, this friend didn't know I was pregnant because I hadn't told her yet. So it's no fault of her own, but it was just like, man, this, this is what my life is going to be like now. You know, people are going to continue getting pregnant and sharing their announcements and having baby showers and and I still have to interact with that world. Um, and one night I just, I just couldn't sleep thinking about my baby Faith and all of the um, things that we had planned to do that were now just not a part of our plan. And I went to my computer and just started writing down what had happened, writing down my experience of, of getting pregnant, of, of the pain, of the questioning, of um, the actual miscarriage. And the next day, I sat at my computer and read what I wrote, and I thought to myself, well, well this doesn't sound half bad. Uh, so I sent it to two of my friends who I know would be brutally honest with me and I asked them you know does this look good you know would you keep reading and both of them said that they would so I was like okay well I'm gonna finish so I finished my story and and it was basically a chapter about what had happened and then you know the crazy idea sunk in well, well maybe it could be a book I was like no 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 you're not an author you're, a book that that's too much that's too much work you're not you're not writing a book <laughs> so um then what happened was i i said a prayer and i asked the lord I was like well if you want me to write a book i need someone to talk to me this week about writing a book and two days later one of my coworkers, uh, while i was talking on the phone with her she was talking about herself writing a children's book and I was like oh that's interesting that you mentioned writing books you know I was thinking about writing a book as well and immediately she's like do it you can write the book do it um and so the process for me writing a book began and I knew that I wanted my book to highlight other journeys of miscarriage and pregnancy loss and what people had gone through. So I started with, you know, the circle of people in my village and then um, some people who have been open about their stories on social media and reached out to them. And ultimately I end up finding five other women who were comfortable with me writing up their story. And in the midst of me writing the book, um, I find out that we're pregnant again. And so I am excited to be pregnant again, but also very concerned. And pregnancy after loss, I think, in some ways is, is a unique trauma of its own because the whole time you are, well, I will say I was, trying to be optimistic that this pregnancy would not end the same and 
not wanting my cautions or or worries to turn into some kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. And so the overanalyzing that I was doing of my every move in my first pregnancy returned with an even heightened intensity during my second pregnancy. Um, and just, I think it was hard for me to escape the constant um, sidebar in my mind that like, I had done something wrong and that there was something that I must or should have done differently to get a different outcome. And even though everybody around me, you know, the doctors, friends, family said, oh, you didn't do anything wrong, it's not your fault. It's just really hard to process that and say, I didn't do anything wrong. So when I was pregnant the second time, now I had known about the fibroids and, and known they were there. Um, and we chose to continue to um, try again and move forward with the pregnancy um, instead of having a surgery after the first miscarriage. Um, so as we moved into the second pregnancy, I definitely felt better. I wasn't having um, the pain as much. And uh, we were approaching uh, the anniversary of the day in November when we lost faith. And so my husband and I decided we didn't want to be in our, in our home and in our neighborhood when that happened. So we wanted to take a trip. So we took a trip to Atlanta so that we could kind of be away and process however we needed to process because we didn't know how it would feel or, or what feelings it might bring up if we would, you know, cry a lot, if we would cry a little bit, or if we just, you know, be sad but not super um, tearful. And when we were in Atlanta, I started bleeding during my second pregnancy for the first time. And it was like, as soon as I saw the drops of blood, it was like everything started coming back. And I was like, it's gonna happen again. Like, why is it happening again? And so of course I went back home and I got um, an ultrasound and in the ultrasound, I can actually see the baby moving, like the baby moving around a lot. And I had never seen that before. Um, so I, I just broke down in tears and, and I was very encouraged and I was like, oh my goodness, like the baby looks great. It's a healthy baby, like, and, and I just was overcome with emotion. Um, and then the nurse, wanted me to or the technician wanted me to go um use the bathroom so i could do a transvaginal ultrasound and because i was bleeding during the pregnancy i was very hesitant about the transvaginal ultrasound um and when i got back and i sat on the table the technician said can you help me? And I was like, what? 
And she was like, well, can you help me? And I was like, can I help you find my vagina? Like, <laughs> I was just really taken aback by the technician asking me to help her to put the probe in the correct place. And so right then I was like, I do not have a good feeling about this at all. And, you know, the transvaginal ultrasound happened. In retrospect, I, I definitely feel like I just should have stopped and said, nope, you're not doing that, lady. Um, but it happened. And then afterwards, I remember when she took out the probe, the, the blood was like a very dark red, like almost purple color. That scared me. And I hadn't seen that before. And immediately it made me think, that if something was wrong, like things just got a lot worse. Um, but, you know, I, I left the appointment, I, I continued on uh, with my day and probably about a week later, um, I was in my classroom and it was the end of the day and I felt like I, it started bleeding more than usual, like bleeding through the, the light pad that I would wear just in case. And I wasn't able to check it right away because I was waiting for one of the parents to um, pick up his son. And so finally the, the father came and I chatted with him and I was able to then go to the bathroom. And when I went to the bathroom, I had past some blood and also like a a small I don't know if I'd want to say a clump of of or tissue and that was it um and it didn't feel like a miscarriage I didn't have that feeling of sudden opening or anything and to this day I don't know exactly what happened but I knew that again something just just wasn't feeling quite right um so the bleeding then continued um back at its normal slower speed through December and in December I remember um feeling the pain again and feeling just not well, like overly tired, overly um, snappy at people, just not like myself. And um, I remember feeling in December, like this is gonna happen again. Um, but my husband's birthday is in December, Christmas is in December. And I remember just praying like, Lord, can you please not let anything happen in December? Like, you know, th this is a holiday season, a birthday time. Like I, I don't want anything to impede those memories. And um, so nothing happened. We got past Christmas, but I was still feeling um very irritable and I was still feeling very um a lot of abdominal pain 
So I made another appointment and my husband went with me to this ultrasound and, you know, we saw the baby again. Um, but this time the baby was not moving like it was in the previous ultrasound that I had seen. And it just that difference was very sad for me to see. Um, and even though I remember being relieved to see that the baby was there and that the, you know, technician said that the baby appeared fine and had a heartbeat that it, it just felt different. Um, and that time we went in December, I did decline the transvaginal ultrasound and um, just had the one done on my stomach. And after that, we did a blood test and then would wait for the results of the blood test to um, check the HCG levels and make sure that, you know, the baby was indeed progressing um, normally. And then we got the results of the HCG test on New Year's Eve. Um, and my husband was at work and I was home alone. And when I looked at the results, it had shown that the HCG results had dropped by the 10,000s. And I had kind of like my ugly cry then. Like that was when I first grieved my loss because I knew that that was not good and even though you know i then of course google stories about can the hcg numbers go back up do the numbers fluctuate up and down can you still have a viable pregnancy i just knew that the drop was too significant um so fast forward to january um it's the night of January 22nd, and um, I had to be at um, school the next day and then work after school for an event that was commemorating the lives of one of our students that we had lost. And so I had tried to go to sleep early because I knew it was gonna be a long day the next day. Um, but I also remember being in a lot of pain. And I took some Tylenol and um, I put on this baby stay in meditation that one of my friends had recommended to me. And it all felt like, like a Hail Mary, like this is, if this doesn't work, I don't know what will. And around, 12.30, I was awakened by essentially my water breaking. And I went to the bathroom in my home and essentially gave birth in the toilet again. Um, this time I was farther along and had just started my second trimester. And so was feeling hopeful that things would end up differently. But this was also the first time my husband 
was able to be with me through the whole experience. And um, he immediately called 911 and was you know, waiting for the EMTs and, you know, just like me hoping that it wasn't true, but I knew that our baby was in the toilet. So the EMTs came and they got me, they took me to the hospital ER. It was an awful experience at that hospital ER. The, the hospital was dingy, the workers were very unprofessional, not sensitive at all to the trauma that we were experiencing. And I just couldn't wait for um, it to be over and for me to go home. And when we had, you know, gotten home, we of course were sad again, grieved, cried, screamed, yelled, prayed, everything. Um, and after a couple of days, you know, I would say we kind of tried to keep it moving. Um, our, our period of grief, we just really didn't let ourselves be in that space for as long as we did after our first loss. And I think part of it was because at this point, you know, we had kind of told ourselves, well, it must be due to the fibroids, like that must be it. Um, and so we just kind of moved forward and started um, making appointments to have a fibroid surgery and to um, move forward that direction in the hopes that everything would turn out different for a third pregnancy. Um, so that's the space that we are in right now. Um, I had a fibroids removal surgery in July of 2020. And, you know, and recovering from that and um, waiting for my uterus to completely heal. Um, and then we'll, you know, try to conceive again. And in the space of all that um, waiting in October of 2020, um, because it was important for me to release my book during Infant and Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month, um, I was able to launch my book, um, which is titled When the Heartbeat Stops, Organic Accounts of Women Breaking the Silence Around Miscarriage. And the reason why I talked about women breaking the silence um, in, the, in the subtitle was because I was amazed at how many women would respond to me and say, you know, this is my story too. I've been through this. And a lot of them have been women I've known my whole life, but I've never knew that miscarriage or pregnancy loss was a, a piece of their journey. And I just really feel that there is power in storytelling and power in transparency. And I, you know, want us who have been on that 
journey of pregnancy loss and infant loss to be able to share that part of us, that pain, that trauma, that um, piece of hope that, that comes in there um, in the days and weeks and months and years after to be able to share what we've been through and for other people to realize like, hey, this sucks. It's awful. No one should have to go through this. It's something that we don't understand and and wish we could control and that our loss deserves to be heard. Our babies deserve to be talked about. Um, their names are allowed to be spoken. Um, and just to know that there are women who will support you in that and will listen to you and will cry with you or just sit in silence with you, like whatever you need at that moment. So I wanted the book to be that for somebody who may not know who those people are in their village or in their circle yet. Um, and just to know that in them sharing a little piece of what they've been through, it will open a floodgate of women and and even men and others in your life who will come to you and say yep have been there and so I, I hope that um communities like the lamb fam continue to to flourish and thrive so that um others who've experienced infinite and pregnancy loss always know that there's a space for them, a space for them to, to grieve the, the loss and to grieve the love that they had to give that they didn't get a chance to give to that baby. Tyrande, I am so dang proud of you for raising awareness and being vulnerable, sharing your story, and it's gonna connect with so many women. I just think you are incredible. I honestly don't feel like I have to ask this question because I feel like you've already given many nuggets of advice. But if you have one like holy grail piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation as you, what would it be? I think the most important thing is to have grace with yourself and to realize that grieving is a process and that Initially, you might not want to be around anybody, that you might want to, you know, just be alone and cry and, and scream and throw things or um, pray, listen to music, whatever it is that you do. Um, and have grace with yourself to know that this is the moment that you're in and that you will transition to a different moment. And that isolation may be something that you need in a moment but I would encourage you to not stay there and to to get support to have grace with yourself and to surround yourself with a community of support I think those two things would be what I would would leave with a fellow mama who has experienced a miscarriage is that you know have grace with yourself 
to know that, you know, again, that it's not your fault, that there's nothing you've done wrong, um, and to surround yourself with support when you're ready, to reach out and to start by listening to other people's stories, and then, you know, telling your own and connecting with fellow sisters-in-laws. Absolutely. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? They can find me on Instagram and Facebook at When the Heartbeat Stops. Our website is called WhenTheHeartBeatStops.com. And if they're interested in purchasing our book, they can purchase it on my website for a signed copy. Or if you want your book shipped to you really quickly, you can go the Amazon route or Barnes and Noble route and get your book in paperback or ebook there as well. What? We can get a signed copy? Yes, a signed copy at www.whentheheartbeatstops.com. Okay, that's the route I'm going to go. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you more than you know, and it's going to help so many women out there. I just think that you are so cool, and I appreciate you. Thank you, and thank you, Shelly, for your vulnerability and for, um, you know, your willingness to be so uh, transparent with your experiences and being brave enough to gather this community together. Um, so many women's lives have been touched by this, including my own. So um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for um, this community and this space. Oh, you are so sweet. And I used to always say on my YouTube channel when I was documenting my journey that we are the Radis fam or the Lamb fam. And it's <laughs> as corny as that is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. Thank you.